Welcome to Zero Downtime, the new podcast brought to you by DCD's editorial team in partnership with Vertiv, the world's leading critical infrastructure provider. Vertiv has kept the world's leading businesses connected for more than 50 years. We build, deliver, and support critical infrastructure that's available, sustainable, and future-ready. Visit us at vertiv.com and see what we can do for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of DCD's Zero Downtime podcast. I'm DCD's Editor-in-Chief, Sebastian Moss, and I'm joined today by Nick Harris, the CEO of Photonic company Lightmatter. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? Hey, doing well. Thanks, Sebastian, for having me on the show. So I think we should start with the obvious, you know, photonics, photonic computing. What, what is that? What do you guys do? Yeah, so at Lightmatter, what we're trying to do is make sure that the progress in computing continues. And there's a big foe to progress today, which is Denard scaling. It's this concept that every time there's a new process announced by TSMC or Intel, the amount of energy that transistors, the fundamental compute unit uses, should be dropping. Um, now, that hasn't been true for about 15 years. And what it's turned into is a major heat problem and a bound on uh, compute performance generation over generation. Uh, and it has a huge impact on data centers and their energy footprint. So at Light Matter, we've developed a new uh, set of technologies that address this challenge of heat and energy consumption by compute units in the data center. Um, principally, we started out to build the company around our photonic compute product called Invise. And the goal with this product was to replace the transistors that are involved in doing deep learning, a uh, type of artificial intelligence, with a photonic counterpart. And while we were on that journey, we sort of realized there was another challenge to solve on top of this, which was how do you get these chips to communicate efficiently and reduce that energy consumption as well? So at Light Matter, we're really focused on improving energy efficiency for both compute and interconnect using silicon photonics as a technology platform. Right. So, so you've also got Passage, which we'll get to in a sec. But Invise, what what kind of performance are are you guys seeing with your your prototype systems now? Yeah. So our Invise Beta uh, product is going to be announced in a couple weeks at Supercomputing 22. Really excited for people to get to go to Dallas and actually see what the hardware looks like. On that chip, what we're trying to do is really show that Photonics can get to state of the art. It can run machine learning workloads uh, at the same kind of accuracy as a digital computer and really just shoehorn this alien tech into the completely standard ecosystem of TensorFlow and PyTorch. So that's what we're trying to get done there. As we go forward, uh, we have a roadmap that takes us to 10x, maybe even 100x over time. And that's what we're marching towards. And you have to kind of take off these big audacious goals one chunk at a time. So it's it's not it doesn't come as like a single chip, right? You sell it as like a package, 16 chips with two AMD CPUs in one kind of package, right? So uh, Invise Beta isn't sold directly. Mm. It's installed at a, a data center hosting platform and customers log in and use it. The unit that they're logging into is the server that you just discussed. It has eight of our Invise Beta accelerators in the server. And customers, of which we have a number, can log in and run their AI and machine learning workloads. When Light Matter is at scale, uh, customers will be buying chips from us directly. 
uh, it turns out that you know companies like Amazon and, and Google Cloud are, are quite good at building PCBs and sheet metal systems, and the margins for those things are, are low. So our big value add is around just the silicon and, and the chip package itself. So you mentioned Google and Amazon. I know Google Ventures is an investor. Um, is the plan to kind of aim for those cloud providers only or just first because it allows people to test out new hardware at a smaller scale? It's an interesting business strategy discussion. So there have been probably 100 companies that have gone out to directly address the data center uh, cloud service providers, AWS, Azure, Google Cloud. And what's been found running that many billion dollar experiment is that it's very hard to install hardware directly in these hyperscale data centers. The bar is quite high. And so at Light Matter, what we're doing is we're partnering with top tier enterprises that actually license a ton of time on those clouds. Mm. And they're going to get used to our hardware, hopefully hooked on it. And eventually, the draw from those big enterprises and their elastic scaling onto the cloud will be enough to push us into the data centers. So I assume the cost per chip would be higher than conventional because it is a new product, but the running costs will be lower because it uses less electricity. Would that be fair? So, yeah, it's a complicated point. We're using completely standard packaging technologies mm. and silicon technologies. So if you look at the silicon cost in and of itself, it's very comparable. Um, right now, we're targeting price points for inference that are on par with the, the incumbents in the space. So inference accelerators are typically about $5,000 for data center type workloads. And that's kind of the price point that we look at. So we're competing head on. And yes, there is going to be a energy reduction and that will turn into TCO savings for data centers that are operating at scale. Right. And and so you have a few benchmarks that people can visit them on your website um, that all look very promising. Are there any plans to have like independent verification of those? Yeah, we are looking at submitting to MLPerf. Uh, the team is, is quite focused on dealing with our existing customers and, and some of those execution-focused things. But over time, we're, we're looking at uh, getting on to MLPerf. And maybe there should be a new category for uh, photonic-enabled computers. Mm. Yeah, I think there's this, and I, I think we'll get to that in a bit, where there is this Cambrian explosion of different types of AI chip companies. And trying to force them all into a single benchmark is going to get harder and harder because they're all going in wacky and wacky directions. Um, but but on that front, right, so so it is a new concept there, but you still want to obviously make it still work with traditional software, traditional compute. What's that process? I assume you have proprietary software that comes with it that makes that easy, hopefully. Yeah, we have a software development kit called Idiom, mm. and Idiom allows you to interf interface with PyTorch and TensorFlow and directly take those models that you've trained and deploy them onto our Invise accelerator. Um, so that process is, is painless, at least we think it is, and our customers so far have found that to be a, a good process. Um, it's a lot of work, by the way. Like We sort of have a spaceship that we're running on highways, uh, so you, you sort of have to deal with the constraints of highways and shoehorn this thing in there. Mm -hmm. But um, we're at the point now where uh, we have our developer program. If you go to lightmatter.co and to developers, you can start to see a little bit about idiom and, and what's involved in running your standard models on our photonic hardware. So it, it's very geared towards AI, linear algebra in particular. It's not, you know, people shouldn't think this is general compute, um, general processor. Yeah. But 
is there do you think further down the line once once hopefully there's more of these you don't have to shoehorn it into old ways of thinking and we can start doing something completely different yeah that's part of the company's roadmap so for now we have to deal with how people have been doing things and that's really a gpu centric world but i can tell you that uh our chip architectures uh they can play in that space competitively but if you let them define the space they can they can bring uh, the world into a, into an area where you cannot compete with a traditional electronic chip. Uh, you can get specific about this, looking at the size of the linear algebra computations you're doing during a deep learning model evaluation. Today, those are completely tailored for GPU compute unit sizes. Um, we can build much larger compute units uh, and very dense mathematics is being performed there. And so it sort of pushes you into this space over time where it's not going to be efficient to emulate what we can do uh, with this technology. Right, and so you're, you're a two product company. Let's, let's talk to the, about the second product, Passage, Interconnect. What you yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. So uh, we were looking at the problem of keeping Invise busy. So that processor's fast, and it's gonna be sitting there waiting for work. And as you scale out to very large AI models, you need to employ many accelerators at the same time. And so that was the central challenge that we were looking at. What we ended up inventing was this product we have called Passage. It's sort of like a chessboard where you can put different types of chips on top of this interposer, if you will, this silicon photonic interposer, and now they can all communicate using light. Uh, this allows for very low latency communication at extremely high speeds. Um, so we're getting a ton of customer interest on this product, not just, uh, you know, we built it for ourselves and for the Envise product line, but we're also seeing that the biggest chip companies in the world, the biggest data center providers, they all kind of want to look at this technology and see if they can put their chips on top of it to enable them to scale out and communicate at really un unprecedented speeds. Yeah, I think photonics computing is, is very new. Obviously, you guys are at the edge of that, whereas more classic sil silicon photonics in networking has been around as a concept for a while, been around as a product somewhat hasn't always been as successful. Do you see that's a completely different market, much more competitive market because mm. there are the other guys in it? So we're looking with Passage mm. in the high performance computing and artificial intelligence space. Uh, it can play eventually in the general cloud infrastructure space. So, so it's very broad, huge TAM for this, this kind of mm. product. Um, is it more competitive? Uh, I would say the technological advantage with Passage is extremely high, especially since what's happened today is big chips are being sharded into many chiplets. Right. Passage provides a means for integrating all of these things. And so, yeah, there are a lot of people working on optical and silicon photonic mm -hmm. space to interconnect, but we, we have a pretty big advantage there. Um, they're both competitive. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the, the competitiveness on Envise it is less on photonics, you know, you against different photonics computing company. It's against this this huge array of AI chip companies. And I think that they've all seen the same thing that you've seen, which is AI GPUs were built before AI became huge. They're hitting their limits in many ways. TDPs keep going up. You know, we can't keep just shoving more power into servers. Surely there's another way, right? And you have your way. They have their their different approaches. Is it sustainable to have this many AI, start, AI chip startups at the moment, do you think? 
I don't think so. Hmm. Uh, I think that probably what happens if you have a number of winners in the space is that AI chips become commodity, right? Uh, which would be a good thing potentially for the world. But if you're building a, a digital-based transistor standard uh, AI acceleration technology, I think it's a very hard space to play in. Eventually, the market will just be squeezing margins, and it'll be a volume scale play. And there are only a few companies in the world that can do that. At Light Matter, we're focused on taking a totally new angle on this thing. And that's, I think, where the advantage lies in this end game, where there are 100 companies trying to do it. You need to be differentiated to survive. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, it's it's a fascinating time. There's a lot of cool ideas floating out there, but it's very hard to kind of get a finger on how many of them are going to survive, how many of them are just built to be acquired by Intel and NVIDIA. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, on that front, you guys raised around, was it 80 million last year? Um, yeah. Probably, you know, the economy's not doing great. Um, it's probably going to be harder to get money, at least at the same, you know, as easily. Debt is going to be harder to get. Are you prepared for a significantly worse climate? Uh, you know, I think we've got a ton of momentum hmm. since our last fundraise. Uh, some recent hires that I'll just highlight. Uh, we hired Richard Ho, who led the TPU project at hmm. Google. He was also in charge of uh, VCU and IPU, the YouTube processor and the infrastructure processing unit. So that's kind of a big deal. And then uh, we hired Ritesh Jain, who led packaging as a VP of engineering at Intel. Uh, he worked on Pontevecchio, if you've seen that chip yeah, from Intel. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've got a lot of momentum behind us, but at the same time, the market backdrop is pretty lousy. And I think that those things for us will will balance out. It's not a fun time to be raising a ton of money, I'll tell you, uh, but we'll, we'll make our, we'll make do. Yeah, I think those, you know, again, speaking as someone that's watching all these companies, and it's very hard to know how real any of the promises are until they come out. Those hires were a big you know, plus for us. And that's why, you know, we reach out and like, we definitely want to talk to you guys because if, if they're all signing off and saying there's something here, there probably is something here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Either that or they're crazy, but I think it's the, uh, the former. Yeah, uh, hopefully. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but so, so the other AI question, right, is, is, so you've got all these chip companies, but there's also this explosion in hype around AI. Um, it's maybe harder to say so soon because we're just in the middle of like the, the all these tech companies having to see their stock prices go down. There's probably a little bit of a um, recalculation of how big AI is going to be, how quickly, right? It's probably not going to live up to that hype as fast as people think. Does that impact your forecasts? Um, so I would say my impression watching it right now is a little bit the opposite. It feels mm -hmm. like there are a bunch of new applications that are popping up. These generative AI models that will create images and things like this are just one example of that. Um, so to me, it feels like it's speeding up and, and maybe even over-delivering. Uh, so I haven't felt any softness on companies' willingness to invest in new AI, deploy AI products. I think that the hardware marching along and getting better is letting them drive down the TCO and the cost per inference to where they're able to put out these big models. Uh, maybe there'll be some reduction in investment because of the stock market prices, but it feels to me like we're not really falling off any sort of hype cycle with AI applications and the tech. It's sort of delivering, which is surprising. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those things are amazing. And uh, DCD subscribers, make sure you check out the previous magazine where we uh, got the AI to try different different artists of interpretations of the data center. Um, so 
you 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 you're for inference right now, right? Which for yep. the listeners that don't know, obviously the the two forms is training, which is the, the much harder GPUs. You create the model and then you inference it, which is using that model running it. So you create the model to tell the difference between a cat and a dog. That you inference by saying, "Is this a cat or a dog?" Is is there a roadmap to getting towards training as well? Yeah, good question. Passage enables training quite well. Right. Um, another way to look at the inference versus training problem, training is actually a supercomputing problem. Mm. You need to tie together, in the case of Google, 4,096 accelerators into a single coherent computer. Uh, inference is, well, maybe it's just a single card running a program. So with Passage, we're able to enable those training applications right now. Uh, and I can tell you, we are talking with customers about big deployments in that kind of arena. Uh, in terms of light matter building training chips, maybe uh, the yeah. actual silicon itself, but we can certainly make the interconnect a heck of a lot better. And by the way, that's the principal challenge in training right now. Mm. If you can have a lot faster interconnect, you can have a big impact on time to train and the cost for training and, and so on. So the other thing with the inter interconnect is better. Where's your view on, you know, you're already paired with a CPU where, where we pair with a whole bunch of different chips, a heterogeneous system that has you guys, has some of these other wacky ideas all in one big system. Uh, yeah, Passage can enable that. You can have uh, CPU chiplets next to GPU chiplets, next to FPGAs, next to XPUs. Uh, it can enable that kind of heterogeneous uh, ecosystem. And I don't know if you're up on the UCIE spec, uh, Universal Chiplet Interconnect Express. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think Google, NVIDIA, Intel, mm -hmm. and a bunch of others joined the consortium. I think that's going to be a really big deal. And uh, we are supporting UCIE at the highest data rates. And so I think we can be a force for kind of driving that you know, weirdo pile of chips that, accomplish that accomplishes everything sort of efficiently. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to keep banging on about calling it wacky because it seems mean. But w one of the, the difficulties always is just acceptance because people are scared to... You know, the old adage of no one gets fired for buying IBM. They might now, but it took a while. Um, how do you, even if it hits all the benchmarks, it works, everyone that tries it is happy. How do you get past that just acceptance of people? Like, I don't trust light to do my computing. Yeah, I think that uh, it's going to come down to demonstrating value for customers and getting them to deploy it. I think that the you would be surprised decisions at these very large hyperscale companies are quite logical. Right. They, they just want to look at the workload, look at the TCO, the power draw, and just compare it to what they have. And if you've clearly won, I don't think there's a big barrier to you getting deployed. Other than you need to be able to support the volumes they need, and they typically like to second source it. So maybe that's the bigger problem, is if there's only one company that can produce the technology, that could actually be a big barrier to getting deployed, because they really don't have a choice or any pricing power at that point. Right. So if we talk about barriers to deployment, I believe last year you were talking about launching at the end of that year, right? And now you're talking about launching it this year. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so building hardware is extremely challenging. Yeah. I think there are a lot of iconic companies that have, have been caught up in this trap. Uh, you're trying to predict execution on 60 billion transistor mm. chips and things like this, and it's hard. So we're learning, we're getting better, and, and it is actually launching uh, next month. Next month, and because we are, well, I should say we're, we're one day away from next month while this is recorded. It's November 14th. November 14th, and that's, so right now, Dallas, Texas. It, it, it works, It's you're happy with it. If someone was to get hold of it, it's perfectly 
shippable and fine. So yeah, this is the launch. This is when we're announcing the hardware. You'll get to see it, all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So what was the the bottleneck that you overcome? Was it like a myriad over this past year? Uh, so really, it's about building a company that's capable of building advanced processors. It's mm -hmm. a it's actually a tricky challenge. And as 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 the process nodes um, continue to advance, it gets harder and harder to build these processor technologies. The the size of the team. Uh, the runtime of the software that simulates and builds the chip grows exponentially. I think the confluence of all those things make it really hard to build processors going forward. And, you know, as makes sense, obviously you're a fabulous company, which if people don't know, that means you don't build the chips yourself. That would be insane. You, you've turned to Global Foundries. Why did you choose them? Well, I think Global Foundries has a very compelling silicon photonics platform. Uh, I think that some people are starting to develop options that are moderately com compelling compared to them, uh, but they're a clear winner, I think, in the silicon photonics space. We've been working with them for five years, and we've helped define the process technology over that time period. Uh, when you look at advanced node ASICs, which we also build, uh, they have their 12 nanometer process, and it's, it's a nice mature technology that's not too far off from state of the art and is good enough for getting the first uh, beta product out there. Um, I think that going forward, when you look at TSMC's nodes, uh, there are not huge leaps in energy efficiency mm -hmm. uh, for these compute units going forward. And you're really seeing that with NVIDIA's product line at over 700 watts. Um, so, you know, I think they're pretty solid on both fronts. So when I think of data center operators, they are looking at NVIDIA's chips with 700 watts. They're looking at... Intel chips, looking at all of this and seeing that number rise and rise and rise, and they're going, oh, we need to overhaul our cooling. We need to start thinking about liquid cooling. We need to be planning for these dense, dense heat-filled systems. Are you saying, hey, we don't actually, don't, don't worry about it. We'll be on the scene. We're going to be able to put a stop to that and reset the clock, as it were. Or should yeah, we still- Yeah, we can help with that. We can certainly help with that piece. Uh, you know, the other piece that you could look at is, all right, so you've got water cooling now. Why don't we just pack even more compute units into that rack and drive the density up further? Either way, you can you can leverage the efficiency to get more compute or to st stick at a certain amount of compute and use less energy. Um, so maybe the legacy non-water cooled data center installations can leverage our tech, but we're also quite fine with water cooling. And in fact, water cooling and immersion cooling have a higher PUE. Right. this cooling efficiency metric. Mm. And so probably those technologies should be deployed, although it's going to be very expensive for data centers to do that. Yeah. So I guess, you know, because it's not relying on, on the electricity possibly, what is the TDP? Do you even measure it in that way? Uh, yeah. So TDP, we're expecting to be around 100 watts for beta. And uh, it's, it's a chip, you know, it's mm. going to have a certain amount of power that it draws and all the other specs are sort of similar. The thing that's different is that the way you're doing computation and decoupling from Denard scaling and Moore's law. So I guess, you know, future generations of it wouldn't push that TDP significantly. Well, it really is a complex dynamic. Hmm. We think that people are looking at very, very large AI models and they'd like to deploy those in a single compute unit. So if we have to drive up the power to deliver the performance to run a 200 billion parameter AI model, we would do that because it would make uh, a lot of sense for the customers from a deployment perspective. So we can play with that knob. You know, it's more efficient 
So you can just put more compute inside the chip package. And that's a good trade-off in some cases. In other cases, like edge data centers or edge deployments, there really are fixed uh, sort of power levels, and you need to stay below those. So I guess it's, it's early days, but there would be plans to kind of have a family, you know, some more targeted at large workloads, some more targeted at edge. Yes. Uh, and you can imagine how passage might play into that. Yeah. But, you know, I guess it's get the first thing up, see what the response is, tweak it based on the customer's feedback, and then go down the avenue that, that is most welcoming. That's right. So when it launches in November, like how, how many customers, what's the roadmap of like how, how big of a launch are we talking here? So we currently have uh, six customers. There's some really big name brands in the list. Mm. And uh, yeah, millions in revenue from those customers. So that's the rollout. I'm pretty proud of the, the roster so far. We'll continue to sign people up as it makes sense and as they align to our vision of really looking at transformers as a specific AI model architecture. And uh, that's how we're thinking about it. So we think it's a big launch. Uh, we're not going to try to support 100 customers or mm. something. The, the sales team that's required to do that is, is too big to be palatable. And if, if a customer does come along with a sizable enough order, what's the, the lead time? So we're not actually accepting orders of chips right now. Right. We're only offering access through a cloud instance. And so, yeah, and it would have to be a very big check to turn it into, I, I want to buy these things uh, and get the chip shipped to me. So how big is that cloud instance? Like how many chips do you have? Uh, so server rack, I have to check with the team with the exact number of, of processors in the rack, but it's tens of tens of chips, probably 40, something like that per rack. But I mean, roughly how many racks are we talking here? I think we have a couple of racks that are going up. Need to check with the product team on the exact numbers here. And then I guess is that going to just slowly grow as you get more customers and get more people to try out? Yeah, that's right. So what cadence do you think for, you know, it, it's always a horrible thing journalists do, which is when a minute a company says, hey, we've made this thing, it's say, say, okay, what's next? But when, when will we see the successor? So typically in our industry, it's 18 months to two years. You can kind of expect... Mm -hmm. Maybe end of 24, we'll be announcing the next thing that's coming out. And we'll be well on our way through executing that. And uh, excited to have our new engineering team leadership to push that thing through. Uh, we're, we're really focused going forward on very large AI models and driving down the cost per inference of those hundreds of billion parameter models. Yeah, I think that's another, you know, we've, we've talked a bit about AI and its ups and downs. These, these crazily large models again, are kind of reaching a limit of what's possible on conventional computing. And it, it's, it's hitting that and it's slowing down what AI is capable of. So if we can come up with some hardware, hopefully you have that allows us to, to take it to the next level. I mean, where is that limit for you guys? Well, eventually we will saturate uh, the bandwidth mm. and capacity of any known memory technology. Uh, and so that's the next challenge. And happy to say on the passage front, uh, we are talking with customers about entire memory disaggregated platforms that are built on top of our interconnect that will be able to multiply the bandwidth up from many, many HBMs or other memory technologies and keep our, our chips fed. And so we'll tackle these problems as we hit them. I, I think, uh, you know, a big way that I think about the company is 
we have sort of like a bionic man. It started out completely human. We're going to like rip the arm off, replace it with a photonic arm, and we'll keep patching on pieces as we run into the problems and solving them. Our core competency as a company is looking at the problem of computation and then figuring out how photonics maps onto it. Right. So, I mean, that's the same with, with the interconnect and everything. It's about how much as possible can we keep in, in light but at some point you have to convert it back into an electrical signal for the the rest of the computer to understand right yes. um it, is there a point where like almost all of that is photonics or do you well there's fundamental challenges with doing general purpose compute using photonics right. uh, if you have logic like if else these sorts of it's called branching logic right. very hard to implement that using light and the reason is that the, the equations that govern light, they're linear. They don't do logic. Logic is what's known as nonlinear in terms of being an operation. Transistors and electrons are very good at doing these logic type things. So I don't actually expect over the next 20 years that logic will be replaced and not done using electrons. I think electrons, transistors, something that looks like a transistor, a switch, that's sort of what will continue to do this general purpose logic. Fantastic. It makes perfect sense. We've talked for half an hour. Are, are there any kind of closing thoughts you had? Anything you think people should know when they're like, hey, I've heard this, this company doing photonic computing. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I think people don't realize how close we are to an edge in terms of mm. the, the roadmap of progress for traditional compute technologies. Now is the time to try something new to continue to drive progress in this area. And we're really focused on figuring out how photonics can go augment computers and continue the roadmap because it's tied to a lot of wonderful things for almost everything that we do. Uh, so maybe that's the closing thought. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate the time. Thank you. Sustainability is no longer a nice to have, it's a priority. Vertive Power, cooling and IT management solutions for critical infrastructure are designed to reduce the use of energy, water, and space. From innovative liquid cooling to dynamic grid services, we work hand in hand with customers to enable them to meet their data center sustainability goals. Visit us at vertive.com and see what we can do for you. Thanks for listening to the Zero Downtime Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Vertiv, the world's leading critical digital infrastructure provider. Don't forget to like this podcast and subscribe to our channel. We'll see you again next time.